Blog Talk Radio. Nowadays, there's a lot of talk about hate crimes. There's an entire body of laws against hate crimes. Everybody seems to be worried about hate. Hate appears to be the gravest problem of our time. But hate is good. Hate gives a structure to our life. Hate gives us a reason to exist, a focus, something to strive for, an identity. Hate is energy, pure energy, provided by Mother Nature herself. Hate enables us to see through lies and pretense, and helps us to concentrate on the essential. Hate is democratic. Even the rich and the powerful cannot hate more than their slaves and subjects. And soon, hate may well be all that we have left. Hate emancipates. Without hate for slavery, you cannot break your shackles. And without hate for injustice, there can be no justice. The greatest achievements of the human race have grown from hate, and from the ability to control hate. Hate separates humans from animals. Animals do not hate, but humans do. Humans can hate for decades, sometimes their entire life. We can even pass hate on to our children and keep hate alive for centuries. Hate is a sign of abstract intellect, for only humans can hate people they have never seen or met, and only humans can hate concepts and processes. How can we know what love is? if we refuse to recognize and understand hate. Love and hate are the two opposite sides of the same coin. Without hate, we are only halflings. In order to be complete, we need hate. Only fools talk endlessly about love, but forget the hate. Hate separates us from the meek and docile masses. Do not fear hate. Do not deny or reject hate. Accept hate. Embrace hate. Learn to know it and learn to use it. Hate is your most powerful weapon, a hidden source of your strength. Do not deny it from you. What the liberal elite fears most in this world is our ability to hate, because our hate will one day be the most revolutionary force on the planet. Our hate will destroy and create empires.
we're going to go ahead and begin at the beginning here. We're not saying anyone should be forced to be pro-white. All we're saying is that whether anyone likes it or not, white people have the right to be pro-white. White people have the right to a sense of racial consciousness, racial identity, and racial pride. We have the right to date, to marry white, and to raise our white children to be pro-white. We have the right to love our own people, and to raise our children to love themselves and their people. And above all else, white people have the right to unify, organize, and fight back against the rising tidal wave of anti-white hatred. Don't like it? Too fucking bad. That's your problem, not ours. The anti-white powers that be want you to believe that you don't have a right to be victorious. They want pro-whites to be defeated, broken, and conquered. But we have no intention of surrendering to their intimidation. Pro-white means supporting whites' rights to a collective sense of racial consciousness, identity, and pride. It means supporting whites' rights to pursue self-determination in our collective racial destiny. Whether anyone likes it or not, the white race has a right to be pro-white. White people don't lack in numbers. What we lack is unity. If we can figure out how to unify, organize, and fight back, show's over. We win. Historically speaking, when white people finally say enough is enough, the entire world trembles beneath our collective footsteps. But a kingdom that has once been destroyed can never come again into being, nor can the dead ever be brought back to life. Come and take it!
to the Resolution Radio Network at ResolutionRDO.com. You are listening to the Sunny Thomas Show, and I am your host, Sonny Thomas. If you want to call in or listen now, it's area code 607-203-5423. It's area code 607-203-5423. You can find us on various social media, on Wimkin, Getter, Gab, Twitter, Telegram, at Sunny Thomas Show, and at Wimkin, Getter, Gab, Telegram, at Resolution RDO, and at Resolution RDO 1 on Twitter. All righty, so we're going to try to cover a lot of different things here this evening. Um, got a little laundry list, and near the end of the evening, I'm going to try to play an excellent broadcast from Alex Jones today that was just top-notch, absolutely top-notch. Uh He's been talking about on the show about some of the sick shit that they do, like how to make penises for for girls and stuff by taking a huge amount of the forearm flesh and trying to wrap it around and turn it into an appendage and how they actually do all the stuff. He had, he had this uh, doctor on who was actually on um, in Congress uh, testifying about some of the stuff that's going on and, and calling that, I guess, some of the medical leaders they have or whatever are completely full of shit. So that was pretty interesting. Her name is Miriam Grossman. Apparently she's got a book um, out as well. And I was just like, wow, it it was uh, pretty powerful, man. I was like, holy shit. So she goes into a lot of detail about exactly what all um, is going on with some of the sick shit, especially when it comes to our kids. So, again, I'm going to try to play it near the end of the show. Opening song tonight's Come and Take It by the one only Ted Nugent from his album Detroit Muscle. And I definitely recommend that you pick up a copy of that album. It's rock solid. So, if you want to follow Miriam Grossman on Twitter, you go to Miriam underscore Grossman. That's Miriam underscore Grossman. And uh, she said there's actually fake versions of her book that's out there. So something definitely to check out. It's called Lost in Transnation. And um, there's a link on Amazon to get it. But you can also go to MiriamGrossmanMD.com. And you should be able to buy it directly from her. Uh, So there's no doubt of where you get the book from. She has some very interesting posts on her Twitter uh, for example, this poor man, 35, thought he was getting a vagina. Now he's in so much pain, he's pleading to be euthanized. You need to understand how our medical organizations have been hijacked. You need the medical facts about the horrific operations performed on mentally ill men and women in the name of gender affirmation. It's all in Lost in Translation, a child psychiatrist's guide out of the madness. So that's uh, the name of her book right there. Like I said, just absolutely Sick shit, man. And there's another one here. Chloe Cole's message to parents of trans-identifying kids. Listen well, parents. So let me uh, actually cue this clip clip up and see what she says. So on her 19th birthday, Coco Chu Cole shows compassion and sincerity beyond her years. I hope that Mrs. Ronald Childs gets to have a happy and fulfilling doll, however that may, however that may look. So here is the clip. 
if I may ask, um, would I be able to address um, another witness? Um, through the chair, you may. So you may okay. speak to me and reference uh, any other testimony you wish to. Okay. Well, um, Mrs. Reynolds. You can you can direct it to me and say that that you, what Ms. Reynolds talked about you want to respond to. And go ahead. Well, I I, I understood that um. Mrs. Reynolds is scared for her child, and I just want to set her straight that I don't hate her. I don't think anybody in this room hates her. Um, in fact, I, I see my own mother and my own father in her, and that she, clearly she dearly loves her child, and she's doing the best with what she's been given. And unfortunately, it's not much. And for that, I'm sorry. I mean, I think every parent deserves the most, the utmost grace and guidance with how to help their child. That being said, I don't wish for her child to have the same result as I did. I don't wish for anybody to regret transition or detransition because it's incredibly difficult. It comes with its own difficulties, and it's not easy. And I hope that her child gets to have a happy and fulfilling adulthood, however that may look like. If I may ask. So, I mean, it's, again, it's, it's really showing you um, the regret that many of these these uh, young trans people have had. And it's just like, holy shit. So we're definitely going to feature that um, interview with Alex uh, later in the show, especially um she does most of the commentary herself. So uh, I was like, holy shit, man. So, I mean, one of the few times Jones actually sits back and lets someone else talk, the she says is absolutely profound. Um, it's just absolutely sick that anyone that's actually any type of psychiatry or any type of, you know, just the thought of it just makes you sick, man. That, that some of these people are actually doing the shit to their kids, man. It really is just fucking sick. It's bad enough that the schools are fucking indoctrinating the kids as well. I mean, not only that, but they're also teaching them to be tattletalers. So when you have to discipline them because they're acting up, you know, that's the first thing, man. Once you lose that power because your child rats you out, you know, it's over, dude. It's over. Consider that child lost cause and going to be absorbed by the state. Because the first thing they're going to do is going to get CPS, get a hold of it, and then they're going to get them drugged up, and then they're going to just disappear. Uh, we've been seeing a lot of testimony over the years, but we're starting to see a lot now, thanks to Sound of Freedom, that, for example, Alex Jones had a Georgia state senator was frantically trying to get a hold of him to unleash the information that she had discovered just through Georgia's own Children Protective Services and how they're being propagated and, and uh, prostituted and disappeared through the system. And then a lot of these kids wind up on psychotropic drugs, and many of those end up becoming a lot of the mass shooters that you see, such as in Parkland, uh, Newtown, and all this other shit. All these kids are all fucked up. Columbine, all of these, the Batman shooter, all of them are all on psychotropic drugs as found shortly after through the rest or after their their files have been um, uh, released because they're deceased, that every single one of those shooters at some point were either 
from a broken family, end up in the system, and or on psychotropics. It's absolutely amazing the crazy shit that's going on here. So we've got to make sure we have the ability as a state to protect parental rights. And that means telling the schools go fuck themselves. And just like we, our taxes are forced to pay these sons of bitches. But I think just because they're bludgeoning over the head to pay taxes for this shit, we never had to pay taxes before, property taxes to fucking fund these schools. But yet they just keep on pushing it. These are things that need to be seriously looked into. So um, tonight's title of the episode is Take Back State Sovereignty. And I saw and there's an issue one that's on a ballot here next week. And I wanted to make sure that um, um, it could be seen clearly. I was trying to, I actually had a buddy of mine call me, ask me about it, because he was a little confused just by looking at the shit. And so I was uh, kind of looking into it. Um, so one article I found through NBC4, and I think that's a Columbus affiliate, it says, new poll shows Ohioans even split on issue one. Now, the article doesn't really tell you much on it. However, um, I saw just by all my feed on Fascist Book, that the GOP is pushing a yes on issue one. So I took some screenshots, and there's a come and take it canon. It says, vote yes on ballot one to protect your, your Second Amendment rights. Find your polling place. And this is through Protect Our Constitution um, on Facebook. So vote yes on August 8th. The other screenshot, as soon as I clicked on it, says vote GOP. So it does not say specific Ohio GOP. It's just vote GOP, which I thought was kind of interesting. So, um, and I sent them a message that said, I'm still researching. I'm generally inclined to a vote no because the right is not as organized to do, uh, the right is not as organized to do direct democracy, regardless of the fact the left are highly skilled and motivated. But then if we turn it into a blue state, then that avenue will be even harder to travel to correct things. So apparently this issue was the direct democracy thing where you can get enough ballot, uh, enough signatures to put an issue on a ballot and have people vote it directly bypass the legislature came around 1912. So there was a follow-up article um, on news5cleveland.com. And I thought this was a little bit more well-done article on the issue. So after reading this, and he had also replied, I think that a yes vote is probably the way to go if I comprehend the article correctly. Now, I'm going to go back and read this again to see if I'm reading this correctly or is this a piece of propaganda. Because when I read it, there's some interesting stuff that I read on there, but it started to make me wonder. So it says, um, how issues, how Ohio's issue one could affect the rest of the country. What if Ohio voters decide on August 8th is likely to shape whether similar efforts to restrict ballot measures are brought in other states. Now, before I dive into this, like I said, uh, just within almost as many weeks, two weeks, um, I, I was approached by two petitioners. One was at the Green, and I think they were petitioning something about relating to abortion because obviously they want to counteract the Roe versus Wade uh, uh, recension. And I told him, I said, absolutely not. I'm not signing that shit. And then I was at uh, Celtic Fest, and a guy approached me on legalizing marijuana. And, of course, I'm not for that shit at all. Again, 
What you do in the privacy of your own home is your fucking business, dude. But I'm just not cool with people fucking smoking pot. Now, I know plenty of responsible drug users. They use this way to take the edge off and get home at night. That's fine. And I know they're responsible. They get home. They've already got the food or they got the munchies. They toke up. They just relax. They just chill out, you know. But, again, they run the risk of every time something happens at work, especially if they work in any type of light industrial or whatever, if they have an accident, guess what? They're not going to they're not going to pass a piss test. So I can't understand why anyone would take the risk of smoking pot, knowing you're going to flunk the drug test, uh, possibly even the next day. Oh, nice. So I see a fucking ad here uh, for Bud Light. S- proud supporter of military veterans, Budweiser and Bud Light. Yeah, fuck you, bag lovers. Okay, so. Um, Let's kind of go into this a little bit. I think this article kind of fills it up. And the more that I, I, I've looked into this a little bit, I'm definitely leaning towards a yes vote myself. And, again, the reason why I say it is because when it listed in the article, it really made me go, oh, wow, that was all left-wingers that fucking brought a lot of these issues forward. For example, how we got stuck with the fucking casino bullshit. After 20 years, we said, no, we don't want a casino in this if you want to go to a fucking casino, go to Rising Sun, Indiana, and go down there, or go down on a fucking boat, okay? Because we don't want that shit in Ohio, dude. It's promoting vice. That being said, they just want to make sure the government wants to be able to have run that shit themselves so they get all the money from it, see? I have actually known businesses that in the basements of the businesses, they actually have little slot machines and were able to um, – have guys go down there. I saw a lot of retirees from like GM and stuff like that going down there, blowing money on these fucking, you know, these damn pool machines, whatever, video games, what have you. And I tell you what, I also knew in one particular incident that as soon as they got the word that the cops got notified, um, he had a guy down there quicker than a snake smile, man. Had that fucker loaders up on a furniture dolly and it was out of the fucking building in 10 minutes. Ten minutes. I was like, holy shit. So I thought that was pretty interesting. So this is like 30 years ago, and I saw this, man. But again, (laughs) that says a lot. Okay, Columbus, Ohio. Ohioans over the last century have used the state's ballot initiative process to pass constitutional amendments that raise the minimum wage, integrated the National Guard, and removed the phrase white male from the Constitution's list of voter eligibility requirements. Now, all those, obviously, are probably all left-wing fucking situations because the National Guard, integrating the National Guard, which means you put colors in there, okay? So uh, minimum wage, that's definitely a big, big fucking flag for the fucking left, Democrats all the way, and and remove the white male is definitely a left-wing thing. Now, lawmakers want to make it much tougher for initiative – Hang on, I keep getting ads on this goddamn thing. It's pissing me off. Want to make it tougher for an initiative to be approved. Opponents of the effort who are leading in polls say doing so would undermine democracy. Well, there you go. Undermine democracy. That tells you all the words you need to know. Whoever prevails, the verdict could reverberate far beyond the Buckeye State as other states also eye limits on ballot initiatives. Okay. Since mid-July, Ohioans have been voting on a new ballot measure drafted by the Republican-controlled legislature and known as Issue 1 
that would require future initiatives to be approved by 60% of voters rather than the simple majority needed now, which is 51. Also, starting on January 1st, 2024, the measure would mandate that to get an issue on the ballot in the first place, backers gather signatures in all 88 Ohio counties, doubling the 44 now needed. Now, that being said, I have seen... I have been on uh, knocking doors campaigns myself, I've, uh, especially for issues, candidates, or even myself, okay? And I know how, uh, how grueling that can be, knocking on all these doors and trying to canvas things and this, that, and the other, okay? It's, it takes a lot of legwork, right? That being said, uh, I think if a constitutional amendment to the Ohio Constitution is going to be added, I think people from all 88 counties should have a say in that. Because if you only need 44 counties, you know, they guarantee you're going to get the six main ones where all the big metropolitan complexes are here in Ohio. So all they got to do is get some of the other ones, which is like surrounding. So if you get Montgomery County, you definitely got the fucking the Democrat-controlled fucking major city because this, that, and the other, but then you're going to get the vicinity. So you're going to go and probably try to get Warren, Butler, Green, Miami, and Preble counties as well. We're right there. Boom. You've already got, what, four or five fucking counties? So you got, including Montgomery, you got five or six counties right there. So if all you had to do was canvas the six major hubs and the vicinity counties and got the signatures you need, there it is. Okay. So I, dur- I firmly believe if you're going to have a Constitution amendment to the Ohio State Constitution, you should have signatures from all 88 counties because too many of the very rural counties like Adams County and Benton County and stuff are so small, no one ever pays attention to them. So that's a good way to get shit together. So even more and more as I read this, I am definitely swinging for a yes vote because of the fact that I think it gives more people an opportunity to be heard. If you want to change something, then you need to work for it, motherfuckers. The problem is the left have a lot more energy and a lot more resources to do this. So the problem is if we ever become a blue state, God forbid, then for us to try to get something done in this state, it's going to be a lot harder. But, you know, that gives you more tenacity. If you really want it done, you're going to find people out there. You got to learn to fucking do public relations, man. You got to learn to fucking connect with people. That's how it works. Okay, so GOP lawmakers and the supporters say it's too easy for out-of-state interests to use the initiative process to change the state's constitution. Among other examples, they point to a 2009 ballot measure that legalized casino gambling in the state, which passed with 52% of the vote after national gambling interests spent over $50 million in support. Okay, I remember that very clearly. There was two main factions that were trying to do this, a group from Las Vegas and a group from Pennsylvania. The group from Las Vegas kind of lost out because the Pennsylvania was a little bit more organized and had a little more money to throw at it in some ways, and so they were able to get on there. However, once it got on the ballot, it was very, very misleading. A yes was a no, and a no was a yes. It was very, very shift. absolutely shady how they fucking did this. Absolutely. I remember that because I was like, man, this is fucking hard to comprehend, dude. I think when it comes to issues in the fucking ballot, it should be written in plain English, not in legalese, because most people can't comprehend that. But again, this is one of the things, one of the things I've been advocating for, that I think a requirement 
for graduation from high school is you should have at least one semester of of Latin. You need to understand the basic Latin, which is the root of fucking English language anyway. So add it as part of your English class. But you should know basic Latin so you understand scientific, legal, and medical terms as well as it's always good to know the Latin language so you can have conversations amongst yourself, amongst other peoples that aren't as well educated. So again, that's something I've been advocating for for a long time. Now, States News are in partner with News 5 Cleveland to meet the organizers and canvassers on the ground. The team spent one day with opponents of Issue 1 and the next with supporters. Quote, we believe that a 60% threshold is absolutely critical protecting our Constitution from these outside influences, State Senator Jerry Serino, a Republican, said in an interview at the headquarters of the Lake County GOP in Painesville, about 30 miles east of Cleveland. And though, it's, and though it isn't a message they emphasize publicly, Republicans have also said that they want to make it easier to stop a measure to protect reproductive rights that will be on the ballot in November. Huh? Let me read that again. Though it is a message they emphasize publicly, Republicans have also said they want to make it easier to stop a measure to protect free reproductive rights that will be on the ballot in November. So this is kind of written kind of fucking shadily, see? Decades of Republican work to make Ohio a pro-life state. The left intends to write abortion on demand into Ohio's constitution. Representative Brian Stewart, a leader of the push for issue one, wrote in a letter to colleagues in December. If they succeed... All the work we accomplished by multiple Republican majorities will be undone. Well, you know, the same could be said the other way around, dude. You just got to be better organized. Some people say this is all about abortion, Secretary of State Frank LaRosa, Republican, said in May in a video obtained by News 5. Well, you know what? It's 100% about keeping a radical pro-abortion amendment out of our Constitution. LaRose, who for months had denied that Issue 1 was about abortion, added that the higher threshold for approval also would be useful down the road to combat other dangerous plans from the left, including raising the minimum wage and legalizing marijuana. Bingo! Power grab scene. Opponents of Issue 1, a coalition of over 200 groups, called a brazen power grab by the legislature that threatens Ohio's democracy. Okay, as soon as they say that, that's how you know it's Democrats or or left-wingers, commies that are pushing that shit, okay? It's just by the saying, it undermines our democracy. That's what the left always says. In other words, it actually puts a hold over the fucking the, the majority rule. With, with state lawmakers entrenched in power in Columbus, thanks to gerrymandered maps, really, opponents argue the ballot initiative process is the last meaningful avenue left for ordinary islands to affect change. I agree with that. Issue 1 raised the cost both of the signature-gathering process by making organizers hire canvassers in all 88 counties rather than just half, and of the campaign itself by requiring that 6% of voters approve. The result would be to make ballot initiatives usable only by deep-pocketed special interest opponents say. See, that's the issue that I'm worried about. Okay, And they add it would threaten the principle one person, one vote by allowing just 40% of voters plus one to override the clear will of the people. Issue 1 would end the majority rule as we know it, Jen Miller, the executive director of the League of Women Voters of Ohio, told a ruckus crowd at a July 20th rally for the No campaign at a union hall in Boardman just outside of Youngstown. Opponents also accused the GOP of trying to sneak the measure through by setting an August 8th election date, 
a time when politics is the furthest thing from many voters' minds. To depress voting rates, since lower turnout is often fought to help Republicans. Whatever. In last year's August primaries, turnout dropped to a meager 8%. Still, the early signs suggest that turnout will be strong. In the first 13 days of early voting, and again, I'm totally against early voting, dude. I am totally against that. There's one fucking day to vote. If you can't vote that fucking day, then that's it. We don't have this elongated fucking process because that's bullshit. It leaves it wide open for fucking corruption, man. You have one fucking day to vote. The only reason why you have an absentee ballot is if you're actually registered military or if you know you're not going to be there. For example, hey, man, I'm going to be out of town that fucking week. Then, especially if you can verify, look, I have tickets to prove I will not be in town, okay? More importantly is if you're going to be in some sort of procedure, like I'm going in for surgery that day. There's no way I can fucking vote, okay? I'm totally for that. That's what absentee ballots are for. But then it starts turning this mail-in ballot bullshit, and you saw what happened. They stole the election from fucking Trump and put that cocksucker Biden in. So I'm really, hmm, at least we have this opportunity, fine. They want to fuck, try to change our shit, then drop a fucking, drop a few bills. Make them fucking pay for it. Uh, again, in the first 13 days of early voting, 231 out of... The 231,800 Ohioans voted in person, according to numbers released July 28th by the Secretary of State's office. That's a higher rate of votes per day than the 136,000 who voted in person during the first nine days of early voting for last November's high-profile and competitive U.S. Senate race. However, voters come down to other states will be watching closely. From Arizona to the Dakotas to Florida, legislatures are working to make it harder to get initiatives passed into law or on the ballot at all. In doing so, they're taking aim at a form of direct democracy that's emerged in recent years as a favorite tool of advocates looking to enact popular policies. On issues from health care to the minimum wage to democracy reform that elected politicians have failed to prioritize. Now, that being said, we had a group that was in 2010, 2010-2012, had a pushback against Obamacare. It was the Ohio Health Care Freedom Amendment. And basically saying that you could not be forced to fucking buy health insurance, which is basically countermanding the individual mandate and the Obamacare bill. Okay? We passed that. But then Kasich said he would – if you put on his desk, he would sign it, and he did. But then as soon as they started pushing the mandates, he was trying to go a backdoor action in which to fucking push that shit. Showed us who he really was. Neocom piece of shit trash. You're a fucking cocksucker, dude. Because you're on Fox News for some time as a commentator and a one-time congressman don't mean shit to me, you cunt. And when I ran for state central committee, I heard the shit you were fucking trying to pull on central state uh, 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 committee members. How you're trying to twist their arms and threaten them and do all this other shit. When I ran, I, I actively campaigned with a bullhorn and said, you try pulling that shit on me, motherfucker. I will grab the bullhorn and let everyone know what the fuck you're doing up in Columbus, you cocksucker. Yeah. That's right, Dick. So again, that's why I'm not. I, I'm really disappointed, in DeSantis, because DeSantis has basically turned into a John Kasich. He's turned his back on Floridians so he can run for president. Well, obviously, he better fucking focus on just being governor because his campaign's not doing well. The only reason why they pushed him in there is they're hoping that they lock Trump up and then he'll be the next big guy and then he's completely controlled by the neocons and more even worse, he's controlled by the tribe. 
How is he controlled by a tribe? Well, not only did he go over to fucking Israel and fucking, you know, go down and suck some of that Jew cock, but he actually signed an anti-Semitism bill in, from Florida. Basically says you can't talk about Israel or Jews in universally fucking situations. He signed it in Israel. So what I like to do is, is I would see now, now, again, it's not my state, but I at least like to bring it to the attention of the legislatures and said, hey, you know, this guy just committed sedition and treason by signing a state fucking bill in another country. And it's even questionable it's even a legitimate country. So, hello, dude. There should be a recall fucking going right now to have DeSantis removed just for that. Because of the simple fact the left wants to bitch about all the shit he's done and this, that, and the other. Many thinks he's done a good job. But, like, as far as Roger Stone is exposed, even up against Disney, DeSantis has come up a little short. So DeSantis has really fucked himself for having a possibility because if he would have fucking just focused on his term, he could have ran in 2028 and probably been the front runner big time. Okay, so I'm not going to read the rest of this article. But, I mean, you get the idea. So I would say at this point, I'm still on the fence, and I would probably look at it real close on Tuesday, but I'm leaning towards a yes vote as well, just like as my buddy is saying, okay? Because, in fact, I want to make it difficult more for the left because this is one of the things that are very strong in. I want to make them fucking earn it. You want to fucking go and burn our Constitution up with your bullshit? Pay some money? Do some legwork. That's how you fucking do it. That's exactly how you do it. That's the thing that really should be looked at very closely. And once again, I've been talking about Ohio leading the states. Why aren't we involved? Just like when I was in the Warren County GOP, all I ever heard was, especially from fucking Kevin DeWine, is that, oh, Warren County is a flagship for the Ohio GOP. And then I asked the fucking, I asked the chairman, I said, dude, then if that's the case, then why aren't we leading the way? I mean, seriously, enacting, voting on real policy, you know, not just rubber stamping a few fucking uh, candidates for certain offices. You know, literally put forth some fucking serious shit. Maybe get the fucking state legislature to go, wow, Warren GOP fucking got their shit together, dude. We ain't got to go down to one of their meetings, you know? Especially they hear Sonny motherfucking T speak. They're going to know they're going to hear some truth, whether they like it or not. Especially when I'm the sole name vote 95% of the time in that fucking body. So, you know, again, I got tired of being the ultimate minority and just said, you know, I have better things I can do with my energy than fend around these fucking neocons and hearing a couple platitudes and a couple guys go, hey, man, I really like what you're doing. I may not stand up like you do, but, you know, I'll say, dude, I'm pro-white, pro-pagan, and pro-liberty, motherfucker. If you can't fucking agree, even acknowledge those three fucking things, get the fuck out of my face. I mean, seriously, you just have to be brazen like that. Sometimes you people that like you or that you're cool with you basically have to tell them, quit being a fucking pussy, you pansy. That's the only way they're going to fucking step up. So, back on my block, dude, that shit wouldn't fly. You just got to go up and say, oh, oh. No, dude, sometimes you got to stand for something. You know, I've had many people in my life 
that inspired me, whether it's a fucking a teacher. Hell, my mother, man. She, my mother was a hard-ass worker. At one time, she worked three fucking jobs just trying to make, make the ends meet. I don't know how she fucking did it. I wish I could do that. I, I just don't have that fucking tenacity that she did. But, man, she busted her ass. And, um, you know, she's the type of person, she, she'll give a shirt off her back for you. But at the same time, boy, she'll fucking chastise you when she's doing it. <laughs> I mean, seriously, how about mother, man? But I tell you what, woohoo! But she's helped a lot of people over the years. But then a lot of times her her kindness is seen as weakness and people try to take advantage of her. And then, Tommy, that happens, dude. She shuts that fucking shit off. I mean, seriously. People she's uh, tried to help over the years. You know, someone come up with good sob stories. Okay, she buys into it, bleeding heart. And then she finds out the full shit. Let me tell you what, she brings the hammer down. And the last place you want to be is between the hammer and the anvil. Because my mom will be hitting metal on metal. Just like anvil fucking said. Which means... Your fucking bio fucking shit in between won't exist once that metal contacts metal with your fucking head in between it. I mean, she's, yeah, Thor himself would be impressed how hard my mom swings the hammer down that fucking anvil on someone's fucking noggin, dude. <laughs> Hail Thor. So, I mean, again, I, I definitely leaning towards a yes vote. I have reservations. And wanting to shoot for no, but I fully understand why it should be looked at. I really do. Uh, so again, if this sets a tone for other states to follow, if this helps lead to my 50 states secession, then I'm totally for it. Absolutely. If it helps return state sovereignty, if it helps us to fucking my biggest issue is if you've seen this the Ohio State Constitution, it's basically a single piece of parchment, just like the U.S. Constitution. But then there's the Ohio Revised Code, which is a book that makes War and Peace look like a short story. It's absolutely sick. Absolutely sick, the shit that goes on there. So, again, it needs to be fucking addressed. So I'll try to find this other, other link. It, it's pretty it's pretty good. So like I said, I'm definitely shooting for probably a yes vote on issue one. I understand the the argument of the no vote. I was probably leaning that way myself. But yeah. So that being said, if that helps stop some of the abortion issue, that means also help stop the baby farms. So the Sound of Freedom has cleared well over $150 million since its 4th of July weekend uh, debut. It's actually beaten a lot of major blockbusters. As a matter of fact, it surpassed the new Mission Impossible film, which actually I saw, uh, I think, a couple weekends ago. It wasn't bad. It was pretty rock solid. And it definitely really shows a lot of danger of the AI situation. And how it could become completely self-aware. That's a whole nother problem. So it's going to be pretty interesting overall. Hang on one second. I got to check something. 
Okay, so I got that fixed. So I just kind of thought that was pretty interesting. All right. So, uh, Sound of Freedom has cleared over $150 million. If you have not seen this yet, there are free tickets available. Um, there are links all throughout the all the social media shows here for St. Thomas Show. I retweet them whenever possible. A lot of good shit there. Definitely stuff to be checked out. Okay, so there was a story I remember watching back in the mid late 1980s going into 1990. I think it was a guy named Dr. Burke. So let me go fucking look this thing up. So... Yes. So let me see. Is this the same one? Bert, Dr. Bert. Bert. Yes. Let me double check to make sure the date's here. Yes. I remember hearing about this years ago. So this is almost 40 years ago. And this particular story I just looked up. This is from 2012. Ohio woman still scarred by love doctor sex surgery. For 22 years, Dr. Burt redesigned women's genitalia without their knowledge. And actually, what I read wasn't without their knowledge. It's almost going to be much better. It was, it was rearranging because that's the way it should be and also increase um, um, natural orgasms. And actually, everything was wrong with that. Cheryl Sexton Dillon's life was forever altered at the age of 36 when her doctor recommended a hysterectomy, although she only needed minor bladder surgery. While she was out on the knife, he performed a nine-hour operation, relocating her vagina and removing her clitoral hood. Dillon said she had no idea he would do more than a standard hysterectomy. Dillon, who in 1984 was a vocational teacher with three children, said afterward, I thought I would die. The pain was unlike anything I ever experienced in places I couldn't understand. She said even ordinary activities became impossible, sitting down, wearing pants, riding a horse. Dylan could no longer have sex without excruciating pain, and despite an understanding husband, her happy marriage eventually fell apart. The surgeon she trusted, Dr. James C. Burt, an eccentric but respected OBGYN at St. Elizabeth's Hospital in Dayton, Ohio, was a proponent of procedures to redesign women's genitalia. This is probably another reason why St. Eve probably went out of business uh, a number of years back, then reopened and then went out of business again. So I don't know what's in there now, because they obviously probably got sued and the insurance probably fucking dropped them. In his 1975 book, Surgery of Love, he wrote, Women are structurally inadequate for intercourse. This is a pathological condition amenable to surgery. Bert. I bet you this guy's a fucking Jew. I bet you it's probably like Burton Steen or something like that. You watch and see. From 1966 until the late 1980s when he surrendered his medical license, Burt had performed hundreds of these experimental surgeries on his patients, according to numerous national reports at the time, including one in the New York Times. In 1988, the Ohio Medical Board cited Burt for alleged experimental and medical unnecessary surgical procedures in some instances without proper patient consent. And now, Sarah B. Rodriguez, a lecturer in medical humanities at Northwestern University, takes a fresh look at the bizarre case in an article in the November Archives of Sexual Behavior. Patients who underwent these procedures 
and said they thought they were getting surgery for common ailments like incontinence or post-pregnancy repairs. Many, like Dylan, said they did not sign adequate consents. According to Rodriguez, St. Elizabeth's began requiring Bert to use a special consent form specific to love surgery in 1979. By his own admission, he did not always get proper consent for some of his earliest surgeries. When I went to Dr. Burton and asked, what have you done? He said, what are you talking about, said Dylan. I found out from other doctors that I had been mutilated. One said her genitals looked like a filleted fish. Burt's son, James C. Burt III, 68, of Los Angeles, defended his father's medical practices in the email to ABC News. Really? There are hundreds and hundreds of Dr. Burt's patients alive today whose marriages and lives are dramatically improved by his wholesome restoration to their fully functional sexual responsiveness, which most of those patients have previously enjoyed earlier in their marriages. Until there are those in the media or the medical profession willing to look at the successful results, which fully benefit the lives of countless numbers of his patients, there should and will be no further comment on behalf of Dr. Burt or his family. Dr. Burt, now 91, has not been available for comment directly. Well, this is 11 years ago, so I didn't, unless he's a Jew, I guarantee you he's probably 102 years old, if he's still breathing. Rodriguez had followed Burt since the late 1970s when he was promoting the idea of altering a woman's body for male sexual pleasure. In the late 1980s, she examined whether or not women had given informed consent to his procedures. Other doctors tried to alert the state medical board, but Burt, but it did not take action until then-Governor Richard F. Celeste, Democrat, by the way, became aware of this medical procedure and reached out to the board demanding answers according to a 1988 article in the Columbus Dispatch. Doctors around the country were shocked. It's a disgrace to all of medicine, Dr. Sidney M. Wolf told the New York Times in 91. His procedures were, were several standard deviations from what is acceptable, said Wolf, who at the time was director of the Public Health Research Group. And now only, only now are people who should have spoken up 20 years ago slowly, timidly coming out of the closet. Today at 65, Dylan is writing a book about speaking out against Burt. She was one of the first to file a malpractice lawsuit in 1985 against both Burt and the hospital where the surgery took place. And what I remember, by default, I won against Dr. Burt and got nothing, she said. Dylan said she settled with St. Elizabeth's Hospital out of court. When she first went to Burt, whom her first husband, an anesthesiologist, knew personally, Dylan was already in a happy second marriage with three children. Burt said, you don't really need to have any more kids. I went ahead and got a hysterectomy. She said, you trust your doctor. Her surgery was so long and complicated, Dylan was barely conscious for five days following the procedure and was out of work for six weeks. I thought I was going to die, she said. <laughs> Love surgery strained a 12-year marriage. Dylan eventually sought help from the University of Cincinnati. I asked for the best doctor because I had to find out what was wrong with me, she said. He looked at me and called in one of the nurses and said, have you ever seen anything like this? He had, re he had repositioned my vagina and circumcised me, she said. The doctor said she had, he had never seen it anywhere except in African tribes. The surgery strained her 12-year marriage. For the first time in my life, I was happily married to a wonderful man, said Dylan. The way I was deformed, I couldn't have sex. I ended up going through three different corrective surgeries, but by that time, my marriage was shot, and I lost the best thing that happened in my life. Dylan went public with her story in 1988 on the television news magazine show West 57th Street. God, I remember that. That was a long time ago. And found others who had suffered similar surgeries. We said, we have to stop this man. She said, I don't want to die young and have my daughter go to the same doctor. 
At the time, Burt called the television report a conspiracy of lies, according to the Columbus Dispatch. The same year, Burt was formally charged by Ohio Medical Board for gross immortality and grossly unprofessional conduct. He surrendered his license in 1989 to vote for the review. Okay, so it goes on and on and on. Okay, so I'm just curious. Let's see. So let's get the guy's full name. So let's just check Pedia for shits and giggles. Oh, <laughs> wow. He died in 2012. Hmm. Interesting. James Caird Burt, August 29th of 21 to July 10th of 2012, was an American gynecologist who was sometimes nicknamed the love surgeon. After practicing for two decades while based in Dayton, Ohio, was sued by female patients for altering their vulvas without their informed consent. Burt was born in Dayton, Ohio, and earned his M.D. from the University of Rochester School of Medicine in 45. His license is around 51. Does not say anything about, see, because I would automatically assume just off the back that the guy was probably Jewish. But I remember seeing that shit on the news back in the day, man. I thought that was pretty fucking powerful. And I remember it was a big controversy on the news. So, again, uh, but that was some crazy shit. So, again, this is the type of stuff that we're going through with our fucking kids right now because all this trans shit. See, I keep talking about that I'm wondering if there really isn't something going on. Has CERN opened up another dimension or have they managed to travel through time and they're trying to start to stop the quote-unquote third antichrist? You know, Napoleon was seen as the first antichrist, which means he was, must have won against the banksters. Hitler was seen as the second Antichrist. Of course, he, he got rid of Jews, at least got locked them up or tried to deport them. And uh, and big, his biggest crime of all was that he declared war on usury. So, again, the very mode on how Jews fucking operate, he basically made verboten. So he had to be fucking destroyed. So it is proven fact that all the West that united, the British, the Americans, and the Ruskies, which are communists, United to destroy the National Socialists of Germany to conclusively prove that all of the upper echelons of those fucking major power structures were Jewish. Or the main people that were in cabinets or had the collective and financial ears of presidential campaigns were all Jewish. That is a fact. Cannot be refuted. And they brag about it constantly. So, So, again, we've already seen some precedent where they go and rearrange shit. Now they're trying to do this stuff now. So what we're going to do is I'm going to take a quick break. Then we're going to play the the um, thing with Miriam Grossman on InfoWars today. And this is absolutely going to fucking just – wow. If Sound of Freedom has been a, a fucking – a single light in the dark – about what's going on with the child sex rings. And then this lady is showing what's happening with the trans shit and how they're doing it, how they're and, – and many countries over in Europe apparently have are starting to ban this thing. Some of it arguably could be said 
as we saw there in Maryland, that as more Muslims are coming into these countries and taking over white countries, they're getting elected. That many of them are starting to maybe step up and start going after this shit because of the fact that they know it's a Jew agenda and they want to fucking fight it. I don't know how much merit that could possibly be, but I would say that would at least be a possibility. Because we saw that basically only the Muslim parents were standing up to the fucking debauchery of the Rainbow Pride shit in the school system there in Maryland. So again, the Muslims are actually finally starting to step up. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised to go jihadi on these goddamn school board meetings. So these fuckers better get straight because whites are ne- inherently fucking don't do shit like that. Eventually we're going to say fuck it and we're going to start beating some goddamn skulls in. But that's a long way off before that happens. But Muslims would definitely go jihad on a school board and kill every single one of these motherfuckers, especially if they're a Jew. I'm trying to push this fucking rainbow pride shit. So it's absolutely pretty fucking sick, man. It's absolutely sick. But it's only going to get worse before it gets better. And so, again, some of the stuff that Jones asked her on this is pretty spot on. So we're going to come back and play this after these brief messages. And if I, and if you haven't noticed some of the programs on Resolution Radio yet, I encourage you to look up Firearm Trainers Podcast with Rob Beckman. We've added that recently to our Sunday lineup. We're actually going to make Sundays 2A day. So uh, I'm actually of the newer programs of um, Kate Daly <coughs> will now be on Wednesdays with um, we'll now be on Wednesdays with uh, Jay Dyer um, Fire Trans Podcast and soon um, Keep and Bear is also another second man program um, through the Buckeye Firearms Association will also start debuting on Sundays so my computer's been having a lot of issues here so it's been like I'll get four or five shows maybe I can get them burned but by the time I get them uploaded my upload's fucking up on me. And this thing's so damn slow sometimes that I just, I get so frustrated. And so I apologize if some of the shows have not been up in a timely manner. But we've been uh, looking at different shows to add to the lineups and uh, very, very happy with some of the stuff. Again, but we're having some technical issues with some of Nordic Frontier stuff because I've changed the format. And then some of the stuff has actually, um, uh, it's coming out flatlined in my editor. So it's, uh, I'm trying to figure out what's going on there, and we're still waiting for Fascination to start doing some new shows. Uh, they've been taking a summer break, so Jazz Hands and McFeels went on a trip over in fucking Sicily, and then I don't think he's been back yet. So uh, I did think I did see a show on there, I think with Mike and Strike or some shit about Jazz Hands or something. So uh, we're gonna, I think that was already caught up. But anyways, um, we're definitely going to be adding some shows, moving some show times around. But now we're able to add um, shows multiple multiple shows a day, so that's a big big plus for us now. So we're trying to have certain days themed. What I eventually want to do is I'm looking at possibly adding some um, some pagan some heathen programs. And if you didn't check out last week's program with uh, Odinson on uh, his podcast there on FolkFM.us. You should definitely check that out. We had a pretty good uh, cover on that. And um, hopefully we might be adding uh, both programs as well to the lineup maybe on Saturdays. So, again, I'm trying to look for other programs. And if you think you got what it takes, I want you to get a hold of me directly 
and see if we can maybe cultivate you um, and get a show going. Or if you have a show on another network, maybe you don't like how it's formatted because some of the software they use on their websites or whatever, or there's limitations or the price has gone through the roof, contact me here at the same time as show, and we will definitely um, look into possibly adding you to our lineup. So always some good stuff out there, and I always want to make sure we have a lot of variety of information for our listeners to listen to all across the globe. Like I say, we've got well over 10.5% of our listeners in Russia. That is a big tip of the hat to me. So thank you very much for listening in, not just in my program, but all of Resolution Radio programs as well. And, um, again, we really appreciate what you do by trying to support us. Again, we can still use your financial support. Digital is not an option for us. The old-school snail mail always works. Every dollar helps us upgrade and purchase advertising, so support Resolution Radio. Send money order or well-concealed cash to Sonny Thomas, P.O. Box 27, Springboro, Ohio, 45066. That's check money order or well-concealed cash to Sonny Thomas, to P.O. Box 27, Springboro, Ohio, 45066. We've had a lot of people support us over the years. Uh, Hell, man. I mean, we've been going on seven years strong already, you know, thanks to you. A lot of people supported us. A lot of people like what we do here. They like some of the stuff that I cover. Uh, a lot of people like other programs we feature here on here. And we've done a, a couple of small fundraisers, like uh, we did the Resolution Blood Tea. I'm actually down to a couple of those left, so I need to order some more. And I've already got some other ones designed, but I just need some more uh, build-up money. I've looked at a couple of places where I can actually start an actual – Resolution Radio store and hopefully feature items maybe by some of the guests that are featured here on my program as well. Uh, like I'd like to feature both books by Harold Zeger on here. I like to um, look at some other things that I support that I products that I use. And if I can get some in, uh, endorsements or some ability to get a good price on the items, we want to feature them in our store. So these are things I'm looking forward to in the near future. So that some some websites I've seen you have to have at least three items to consider a store. So I've already got at least six T-shirts designed, uh, various themes, some specific resolution radio, others for themes such as nothing counts, nothing matters more than blood, as well as the who who died made you Saint Thomas. So I'd like to get those recirculated again. I had those printed years ago through a buddy of mine, and uh, I've redesigned it so basically it's ready to be re- reproduced. And uh, just, you know, just got to get some startup cash. So, again, we've had people support us in the past. been able to buy some equipment we needed, some services. So we're able to plow it back into the, um, into the organization. Thank you very much for everyone who sent money. I even had one person send me just five bucks because that's all I can swing. Hey, man, thank you very much. I sent them a personal handwritten letter. Thank you so much for your $5, man, because I know I send $5 to various groups and uh, other podcasts myself basically i i support what you're doing i don't have i don't have much to spread around but i make sure that uh five bucks is five bucks man i vote with my dollar so that's definitely a good thing so we'll be back right after these brief messages with miriam grossman on infowars we are the American Freedom Party. This is the most urgent time in the history of Western civilization. In the year 1900, white people of European descent comprised 35% of the world population. Today it is less than 9% and falling fast. Europe is being overrun with Middle Eastern immigrants. 
and America's founding stock is rapidly being replaced with third world peoples from around the globe. For the last 50 years, every influential institution in this nation, our schools and universities, our media, our churches and our employers, have promoted policies and principles that teach whites to be ashamed of their great heritage and birthright. We, who in the 1950s, the 1960s, and 1970s were the world's dominant force, are now so afraid of being called racist that we were quailing towards irrelevance and extinction. Join the American Freedom Party today. Reach us at theamericanfreedomparty.us or call us at 701-317-5317. Paid for by the American Freedom Party. In ancient times, man roamed the earth in a constant state of hunting or being hunted. Introducing Caveman, where cutting-edge science meets ancient super nutrients. Secure your bottle right now at InfoWarsStore.com. All right, welcome back to the Resolution Network at ResolutionRDO.com. You are listening to Simon Thomas Show, and I'm your host, Simon Thomas. If you want to call and listen now, it's area code 607-203-5423. That's area code 607-203-5423. Okay, so we are going to play this clip from uh, InfoWars featuring Dr. Miriam Grossman, M.D., and like I said, I was absolutely floored um, by um, her statements today. I mean, I was like, holy shit. So, uh, yes, this is definitely someone here. So this is from InfoWars. Dr. Miriam Grossman warns transgender movement is an evil cult promoting disembodiment. To me... How she phrased it was so spot on. It's just like if, if Sound of Freedom touched a nerve about child sex trafficking, this should touch a nerve about the transgender reassignment shit that they're pushing on our fucking kids, man. And in many cases, they're already groomed our kids to start fucking going into boys' bathrooms. You know, if you got a girl and and uh, going by different pronouns, all sorts of shit, dude. All sorts of shit. I have some friends and even a, a family member. Tried to tell me that their kid was trying to say, oh, come on. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm boy. No, you're a fucking girl, man. So, I mean, seriously, it's absolutely sick that's going on here. Like I said, this is a pretty powerful clip. And I was absolutely floored um, by some of her rock-solid statements on there. And I was, I was absolutely in shock. But I thought she did a damn good job. I was like, holy shit. So I might actually go get the book myself. So here is Miriam Grossman, MD. And you go to, I think it's, yeah, MiriamGrossmanMD.com and uh, check this out. This is pretty powerful. Matter of fact, I might even air this episode myself separately as a special feature because I think it's that powerful. So here is her statements. Goes to the core of our humanity. There is nothing more central to our humanity than being male or female. And when you deconstruct that, and when you steep out the meaning of the word woman so that it no longer means anything, because anyone could be a woman, you are going to the core of what it means to be human. And 
she or he needs to have in order to help your child. Your pediatrician has been led to believe by the American Academy of Pediatrics, the whole thing, the whole nine yards, the whole belief system, you can be born in the wrong body. It's normal to want to have these body parts removed. We have to put the child in the driver's seat, no matter how old they are and how mentally disturbed. The parents need to take a back seat. The pediatrician needs to take a back seat. There's no robust literature whatsoever, no evidence that this is helping our kids in the long term, and therefore we have to stop. We have to make these interventions unavailable, aside from perhaps a very small group of kids that will be in a clinical trial. Um, so that is correct. And even more importantly, perhaps, is that about two weeks ago, a letter was published in the Wall Street Journal, signed by 21 different experts in this field from nine different countries. And essentially they said, what are you doctors in the U.S. doing with your kids? What the heck are you doing? There's no evidence for this. Buckle in. This is going to get real interesting. What I told you 20 years ago, they would be cutting the genitals off of little boys and little girls. They would be cutting the forearms and the fronts of their legs off for girls and creating painful artificial penises that create nothing but pain and huge wounds in little boys where their genitals once existed. And then when they commit suicide, blaming it on the public for not going along with it. And I told you that, you'd say that's something out of a science fiction horror movie. That's not real, but it is real. And there's a larger agenda at foot in here. And we're going to be talking to the author of Lost in Translation, A Child Psychiatrist's Guide, Out of the Madness, Miriam Grossman, MD, Medical Doctor, forwarded by Dr. Jordan B. Peterson. Incredible book. I just got done reading it. Skyhorse Publishing, great people. You need to get it. You need to share it with everybody you know and put it in the library as well because you will put up with this. We'll put up with anything from these bad scientists. We'll talk about what's really behind it more. Our guest is going to join us, but I want to play part of her testimony uh, in Congress. Here is part of her testimony. We'll have more of the testimony throughout the interview. Here it is. Sir, now recognizes Dr. Grossman for five minutes for your opening statement. Thank you, Chairman Guthrie. Oh. Chairman Guthrie and members of the subcommittee, thank you for the opportunity to address you. My name is Miriam Grossman. I am a board-certified child, adolescent, and adult psychiatrist, author, and senior fellow at Do No Harm. I have been taking care of patients for 45 years. I'm going to use my time to respond to Dr. McNamara. First, I'm struck by her use of the phrase, sex assigned at birth. Sex is not assigned at birth. Sex is established at conception and it's recognized at birth, if not earlier. Dr. McNamara claims that her views are science-based, but to claim that sex is assigned at birth is without any scientific basis whatsoever. Its language misleads people, especially children, into thinking that male and female are arbitrary designations and can change. That is simply not true. Dr. McNamara claims that social and medical interventions 
are the only evidence-based treatment and that scientific evidence shows it is life-saving. Without it, she's warning us, kids will commit suicide. Well, a growing number of countries have effectively banned the care to which she's referring. And thank God there's been no wave of suicides or other mental health catastrophes. Three years ago, Finland placed strict limitations on medical interventions for minors. Sweden did the same thing after a 14-year-old girl was found to have osteoporosis and spinal fractures from puberty blockers. An investigation concluded, quote, the risks of anti-puberty uh, and hormone treatment for those under 18 currently outweigh the possible benefits. The UK conducted a review and called the evidence very low. They also placed severe restrictions on the care that Dr. McNamara calls life-saving. Norway also analyzed the data and has made similar changes in policy. The National Academy of Medicine in France warned, quote, great medical caution must be taken in children and adolescents given the vulnerability of this population and the many undesirable, even serious complications the therapies cause. Doctors in New Zealand and Australia have published similar statements. Is Dr. McNamara suggesting that all these countries are rejecting evidence-based treatment and placing their kids at risk of suicide? Regarding that point of view, Finland's gender expert, Dr. Rita Kaltiela said, quote, it's purposeful disinformation, the spreading of which is irresponsible. All seven countries, and Florida too, of course, concluded that kids don't need their development interrupted, the girls don't need their periods stopped and their voices lowered, and the boys don't need to grow breasts. What they need is psychotherapy. I have other objections to Dr. McNamara's testimony. She insists that her position, only hers, represents standard medical care. What she doesn't want you to know is that there is no standard. There's a debate. There's a fierce debate. And on the side opposite her stand such prominent figures as Stephen Levine, Kenneth Zucker, Paul McHugh, and James Cantor, among others. All Jews. These doctors are giants in the field. They have been treating transgender patients and gathering data and publishing papers about them. And I mean no disrespect here but since before Dr. McNamara was born. The point is that those veteran clinicians and others who have wisdom and experience are ignored because they disagree with the current narrative. They're against medical interventions for the same reason those seven countries are. There is no evidence of long-term benefit, but there is evidence of harm. I'll end by quoting Jamie Reed, the courageous whistleblower from the Children's Gender Clinic in St. Louis. I believe that that hospital receives the medical education funding that we're discussing today. She said that doctors at that clinic said, we are building the plane while we are flying it. Hmm. We are building the plane while we are flying it. That's how they described the treatment at their gender clinic. Our precious tax dollars should not support 
such a perilous experiment. Thank you. All right, for the balance of the hour, the author of Lost in Transnation, A Child Psychiatrist's Guide Out of the Madness, Miriam Grossman, medical doctor, joins us. And we are very honored to have her and congratulate her on how well the book's doing. It can save a lot of lives and turn this cult back. We're going to play a clip of another uh, lady pointing out later that this is like Japanese soldiers that didn't know World War II was over five years later and were still fighting on islands. The parents that have done this aren't going to admit that they were wrong, many of them. They're going to dig in deeper. And then when the Frankensteins they've created go out and start shooting up and killing people, they're going to defend it. We've already seen that happen. Many, again, go out and commit suicide. And since she testified to Congress, the UK is moving to block the surgeries and uh, the chemicals. Uh, it's just incredible to see this unfolding. It doesn't seem real. You have to pinch yourself believe you're in some alternate universe created by the devil uh, but this is very real so doctor thank you for joining us i think it's just best with this audience of millions that everybody be reminded that if everybody listening tells somebody to tune in now shares the link from infowars.com forward slash show or band video to the live show feed under my name there go to that page that many millions more will listen and they tell them to share it many millions more and it's that chain reaction that will bring down this tyranny i think they've they've, they've run really far with the whole trans agenda pushed by hollywood and, and big pharma we'll talk about why but now they're running into very stiff opposition and i believe the tide is starting to turn just look at the dylan mulvaney situation but to thank you so much uh, dr grossman i'm gonna try to give you the floor until we go to break in about 15 minutes so you've got the floor okay Now, uh, yeah, there you have uh, 
videos of how this horrific procedure is done, the removal of uh, healthy breasts of young girls as young as age 12. This is happening in our country, and these are atrocities. Now, the medical field, my profession, sad to say, there is a history of medical scandals uh, that have taken place and brought terrible harm to families and to individuals. For example, not long ago, uh, we were doing lobotomies on mentally ill people. And we, in fact, uh, I was reading yesterday, Rosemary Kennedy, uh, JFK's sister, who had mental health issues, underwent a lobotomy. Yes, there are the little girls, what you're seeing now, the young girls, it's hard to look at. These are little girls. They might be 11, 12, 14 years old. They have had their healthy breasts removed. Now these girls have a mental illness. They should be treated for the mental illness. They should not be climbing on the uh, operating tables, which is what's happening. And I am warning parents, and I want them to understand that we're in the midst of another medical scandal, such as the lobotomy scandal, in which we uh, uh, took these poor mentally ill individuals and actually drilled uh, holes in their brains or entered their brains uh, with, 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 with an ice pick like device through their eye sockets. And we did these horrific things to them, uh, uh, cutting their brains, severing of one portion of the brain from another. Again, this was done to Rosemary Kennedy. And the reason I'm bringing it up is because certainly the Kennedy family had the very best medical care they would not have chosen to do something so drastic to their child if they had not been told at the time, this is the only thing available to help your daughter. Uh, there's a medical consensus. I want you to remember that phrase, a medical consensus. And so they went ahead and they signed on the dotted line. And at the age of 23, she had this barbaric procedure done. And by the way, the inventor of this procedure got a Nobel Prize for it. So what I'm trying to underscore here is that we have a history, unfortunately, in my field of doctors coming up with what they claim to be solutions uh, for, for psychiatric conditions, and they end up committing atrocities. Parents need to be born. They're not going to hear what I'm saying from their pediatrician. They're not going to hear it from the guidance counselor at school. They're not going to hear it from our uh, government officials, like Admiral Dr. Rachel Levine, who calls these uh, barbaric uh, uh, procedures that have that have no evidence of long-term uh, benefit. And Dr. Levine calls these procedures life-saving. And Dr. Levine calls them medical care, essential medical care. No, this is not what we as doctors are supposed to be doing. We took an oath to do no harm. 
that oath seems to have been forgotten by many of my colleagues. It gives me no pleasure in saying this. So I wrote the book, A Lost in Trans Nation, not only for parents who are currently going through this disaster in their home, the disaster of their son or daughter coming forward and saying, I'm not your son, I'm your daughter. Please call me by this new name, pronouns, and take them to the gender clinic. I'm, I'm writing this book also so that parents who are years away from that possibility ever happening are, uh, are given the tools to prevent it. And I believe that parents can inoculate their families. I believe they can be inoculated against what is a, a, a social movement, a social political movement, a turbocharged movement. Uh, it's a system of beliefs. It's a belief system like a religion. It is not based in any medical facts or science. The idea that a person can be born in the wrong body is a irrational belief. We are teaching these irrational beliefs to children and children when they're taught things by authorities and they hear about it at school and on social media and through Disney and from our president, they believe it. And so I see patients every day who really believe that it's possible to be born in the wrong body and that the only solution for that is to change their bodies and get a new body. Now, this is a dire situation, and I am so pleased that I'm on your show so that I can reach as many parents as possible. So there's a lot that parents can do. And uh, my book is not written for professionals. It is written for regular moms and dads. It's easy reading. Easy in the sense of it's not written in a professional way. It's not easy reading in the sense of it's not upsetting. It's terribly upsetting. But there's a lot you can do about it. And you can prepare your child. You can reach your child before the eyes are launched in. That's what you must do. And I give you all sorts of information and tools and ways that you can reach your child and conversations that you need to have with your child, with your pediatrician, and anyone else who's trying to voice this belief system on your family. So again, I wrote this as a doctor, a medical doctor. I'm also a person of faith, but I did not write this as a person of faith. I wrote it as a medical doctor. Um, for example, I provide appendices written by expert lawyers, lawyers that, uh, that are expert in the field of uh, uh, parental rights. Parents have a constitutional right, and the, the, uh, the Supreme Court has been very clear on this. Parents have a constitutional right to direct the upbringing and education and medical care of their kids. Now schools and others are trying to subvert those rights. And for example, I have a chapter in the book about schools, uh, providing examples from my practice of families 
that went through the ordeal of finding out, not from their child and not from the school, but from some other parent of the school that they ran into in the market that says, oh, did you know your daughter is using the boys' bathroom at school? And the parent looks into it and discovers, lo and behold, that for the past three months, their daughter has been given permission by the school to use the boys' bathroom, to use the boys' changing room, to be called by a different name and different pronouns. And this has been going on. This is called social affirmation, so-called so Orwellian term, Orwellian term, because when you affirm these kids in their new identity, of course, you have to deny their biology. All right, Doctor, we're going to go break here in a few minutes. We'll have you continue on, but let's just recap what you just said, and we'll, we'll talk more about it. This is a religion. It's a scientific cult. It's basically psychological warfare, creating a new religion. And they, all over the country, all over the world, where the same program is launched, whether it's Australia, Germany, the U.K., the U.S., Canada, it's all the same program. They have files, and they, they tell the child, you may be another sex. You may be something else. Their pediatrician may ask when mom or dad's out of the room. That's come out. And then they put them in a file and say, oh, we can't let the parents know. They create an intelligence file on the parents, and they begin taking your child away from you and creating a new identity. This is classic cult programming. I'm not a psychiatrist or medical doctor like you, but I've studied history. I mean, is this not mind control we're talking about? Prisons, 
I mean, they are murdering logic and common sense and biology and science. We'll be right back with our special guest. Uh, so I've laid out a lot there, uh, doctor, author of Lost in Translation, 
a child psychiatrist guide out of the madness. But something you said is fascinating, and we'll skip the next network break. This is too important, so you have another 25 minutes uninterrupted. This is too important. You talk about something that, that is a big issue of when you're exposing a key globalist operation, they will create fakes to divert people and distract. And when it comes to the trans agenda, I was told by a senior YouTube official, oh, 10 years ago and nine years ago in front of my producers on the phone, they said, you can cover anything you want and we'll leave you alone, but stop exposing the trans situation. So this is very special to them and perhaps you can speak to that, but people need to know the tactics they're using because I'm interested in this because I've seen it myself, but not with, not with your book, with other books. What are they doing to try to off-ramp people from getting the book? Transition to living as a woman later in life after 
same asshole Dr. Rachel Levine standing up over and over again and telling the parents in this country that the only uh, uh, response, the only treatment, uh, the medical treatment that they should pursue for their child who's confused about being a boy and a girl is the medical pathway. Blockers, cross-sex hormones. Now those blockers and cross-sex hormones, what do they do? They sterilize these kids. So here we have on the one hand, Dr. Levine saying, I'm so pleased that I have my children. I can't imagine life without my children. And yet, Dr. Levine is playing a major part in producing a generation of sterilized, asexual young people. And I'm going to take this opportunity right now. I challenge Admiral Levine to a debate on this issue. Right now, I'm waiting to do it. I've been waiting years. Let's stand up and let's talk about the medical care that you are uh, you are 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 saying is the only way for these kids. So what, what these kids need is psychotherapy, and they need to go off the internet. That's what they need. They do not need their puberty to be stopped. They need to climb a tree. They they need to go to summer camp. They need to. They need to get a job, exactly. You must find God decides to look when we must divide. So what's going on here is an atrocity. It's a medical scandal. And I wrote the book to help parents avoid it. And they can't avoid it. They can reach their kids first, and they can tell their little kids, you know, you were a boy or a girl from the moment you were created. From the very moment that you existed on this earth, you were either a boy or a girl, and that's wonderful, and that's never going to change. Now, there's all kinds of boys and all kinds of girls, and not every boy is a football player. And not every boy wants to be a builder or an engineer or what have you. And and not every girl is into makeup and fashion. That's ridiculous. There are all kinds of boys, all kinds of men, all kinds of girls and women. Hey, let me just briefly and interject on that. Exactly. Look, we have confused, unhappy children, an unhealthy culture, obsessed with entertainment, video games, divorced from reality. And then they're told, oh, you're unhappy. This is the answer. But the statistics show this is the highest level of suicide, the highest level of crime, the highest level of mental illness. They are diverting, and I've had members of Parliament on from the UK decades ago, that they notice around half the children being targeted are artistic or Down syndrome. They have TV shows about this now. So they target the mentally ill or the mentally uh, handicapped for this. And as you said, Admiral Levine, he had his children. But this literally sterilizes these boys and girls, and so really, it's they're making sterilization fashionable. Well, we are getting very, very sad. It shows so sad, Alex. And I see patients. I have seen patients who have had their genitals removed, their reproductive system removed. They are sterile. They cannot respond sexually. They don't have breasts, and they are in mourning for the rest of their lives. And it's those 
concerned about suicide those individuals, the detransitioners, and in the parents of these kids. Those are the suicides I am genuinely concerned about. You're a very smart lady. You've written a definitive book on this to warn people in a roadmap to protect our children and our future and to break with this cult. I've studied it, and it's the most powerful corporations and intelligence agencies behind it. Can you give us your view on what, who's behind it, what the long-term agenda is? Well, you know, as I said, I mean, as a psychiatrist, I am focused on the families and the kids. Uh, and providing parents with the information that they need in order to prevent this happening. Um, but in terms of the larger picture, well, yeah, I mean, the transhumanism movement, uh, which is led by a number of extremely wealthy individuals, some of them are transgender themselves, and they obviously uh, wish to promote this, and they it's a, it's a philosophy of disembodiment. So it is, it's encouraging children uh, to feel separate from their bodies because their bodies are wrong. And it's, it's, that's a mental illness when you are so disembodied that you actually wish to have a different body. You want to climb onto the operating table and have healthy body parts removed. So I'm not an expert in terms of the the, you know, the macro from 30,000 miles kind of thing. I would recommend, I'm going to mention the name Jennifer Bolek. You should have her on, Alex. Bolek, boy, be like boy, I-L-E-K. And she has studied this for years. She has uh, analyzed the money trail and the transhumanist philosophy. Again, my book really doesn't go there. My book is practical, how to talk to your kid, how to talk to uh, the teacher at school who might be promoting this, your pediatrician, uh, how to get control of your child's internet use. I cannot underscore how important that is. You can't just let your kid have a smartphone and be out there 24-7. You might as well just take your kid, drive to the worst, most horrible part of town that you can find and just let your kid out of the car and say, you know, enjoy, see you tomorrow. That's what the that's what the internet is. And the internet is filled with groomers, adults who want to reach your child and groom your child. Now remember, grooming means the psychological and emotional manipulation of a vulnerable person in order to uh, to exploit that individual at a later time. Now, there's sexual exploitation, there's financial exploitation. This is ideological exploitation. And, and let's talk about that, because the high schools and colleges now at career day bring in the, quote, trans person to dance in front of the small children. In many cases, parents are told, and I've talked to people who also read the articles, they admit that a large portion, approaching a majority, of trans people end up being sex workers and are told, you're not just gonna do this to yourself, you're now gonna be a sex worker. So you talk about the exploitation, this has all been blueprinted out, because no matter what country you're in, it's the exact same attack profile. Well, I would, I would mention, Alex, that you see the sex workers, you know, the statistics that we have on transgender identifying individuals being killed, 
racist or a homophobe or a whatever, a transphobe, if you don't have sex with these people. Yeah, well, you know, what, what I think, what I want, the point that I want to make at this moment is that, you know, the title of your show is Info Wars. Now, there are Info Wars going on all over the place, but what parents don't know is that there's an Info War going on in the medical world. Your pediatrician is not getting the information that she or he needs to have in order to help your child. Your pediatrician has been led to believe by the American Academy of Pediatrics, the whole thing, the whole nine yards, the whole belief system, you can be born in a wrong body. It's normal to want to have these body parts removed. We have to put the child in the driver's seat, no matter how old they are and how mentally disturbed. The parents need to take a back seat. The pediatrician needs to take a back seat. So, so all yeah, the evidence, all the research has been thrown aside. So let me ask you this. Let's talk about some of the good news, or correct me if I'm wrong. They, they got everybody to first accept Bruce Jenner uh, saying that he was a woman. And we're like, okay, sure, he's an adult. He can do whatever he wants. I mean, I, I'm, I don't hate people just because they're mentally ill or whatever they're doing. Then they go, okay, well, now your children feel like this. You've got to affirm them. But we know statistically highest rates of suicide, highest rates of drugs, highest rates of crime. They're super depressed. They're unhappy, obviously. And now they're in this cult being abused. But I see the U.K. moving to block it or has blocked it. A bunch of European countries have done it. You testified to Congress on that. Now a bunch of other dominoes have fallen. So it seems like people really get this is fundamental. Can, can, can you tell me? If this was a football game, where you think we are, what quarter, who's winning, uh, and, and, and then what we can do to, to fully push back. I know there's lawsuits getting filed, lawsuits getting won. I know a bunch of other countries have backed off going, well, this really is Hellraiser, you know, Joseph Mingle at 2.0. So, so as negative as this is, it seems like humanity's starting to wake up despite all the corporate push by, by Admiral Levine and the rest of it. Uh, but then how do you expect them to counterstrike? Okay, or Finland, Norway, England uh, have done a 180, and they were very big on so-called gender-affirming care, which is where you put the child in the driver's seat and you just accept their you rubber stamp their new identity. And they have all those countries have done exhaustive uh, analyses of the literature and of the research. They have all unanimously said that we have no. Uh, we have no robust literature whatsoever, no evidence that this is helping our kids in the long term, and therefore we have to stop. We have to make these interventions unavailable, aside from perhaps a very small group of kids that will be in a clinical trial. Um, so that is correct. And even more importantly, perhaps, is that about two weeks ago, a letter was published in the Wall Street Journal signed by 21 different experts in this field from nine different countries. And essentially they said, what are you doctors in the U.S. doing with your kids? What the heck are you doing? There's no evidence for this. So this is all fantastic. I'm very glad to report on that. Now, in terms of your uh, football analogy, you'll have to excuse me. I know, I, I don't know, I, I, I'm not into football, but I know baseball, so... If we could switch to a baseball Please, analogy. please. So I would say that in this country, well, I'm going to say that maybe we're in the fifth or sixth inning 
I think that uh, there might be additional innings. I think it's going to be a long haul. Uh, it is starting. The lawsuits are starting. Uh, but the pushback is massive. And the money and power that's behind this is absolutely massive. Uh, so it's a war. And it's a war against evil. And I think that it's important. I'm a doctor. I don't usually call things evil when I write or when I speak. But now I am going to do that. This is evil. It is evil to plant these ideas, these false ideas, in the minds of little kids. The idea that they may be in the wrong body. <clears throat> it is evil to lead them on a path that may end up uh, with, with these dangerous experimental medical treatments, which may end up with, uh, with, with disfigurement, lifelong disfigurement, and uh, sterility. Now, I haven't mentioned also, we haven't mentioned, Alex, that these kids are lifelong uh, dependent on pharmaceuticals. You could look at my book as a way of helping parents to prevent their child's lifelong dependence on drugs, dependence on drugs. Because that's what it is. They become dependent on pharmaceuticals, a lifelong patient, worth about a million dollars each child. Incredible. And, and we've seen the different university medical center heads brag how much money they're going to make off this. It is it is an open conspiracy against humanity. It's the mad scientists trying to set this benchmark of anti-science insanity so they can have their way with everybody. The best way to make sure they don't get one of the fake books is to go to Miriam grossmanmd.com one word miriam grossmanmd.com miriam grossmanmd.com get the book share it Do doctor please come back on owen schroyer's show the war room uh whenever you want it's 3 p.m weekdays please come on harrison smith's american journal 8 a.m and if you're ever in austin we would love to have you in the studio please join us again soon you're amazing if you want i'll send you they're like 20 dollars an external mic because your information is 100 your audio is a little off you're, you had an external mic, obviously, or it's not hooked up. Uh, we really look forward to speaking to you uh, again, and I just want to thank you uh, for what you're doing, uh, for not just myself and my family, but you know, for obviously everybody's children and our human future together. So we salute you. Well, thank you so much. I apologize about the audio. I'm a little tech uh, disabled over here, trying my best. I hope people can still hear my message. Oh, no, it was amazing. Um, it was amazing. I $20 microphone, and you're going to be next level. Your video is great. So so, just get an external mic, and, and come on next week if you can. We love you. We appreciate you, and great job, Tony Lyons, publishing your book. We'll talk to you uh, very, very soon. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you. We're going to win, folks. I mean, we've got ladies like that versus Admiral Leo Levine, the sicko, and uh, we're going to win. Robert Barnes is scheduled coming up. I've got more to say after she leaves about what she said. You've got to protect your children. And the number one gate is those phones. It's like a palantir in Lord of the Rings. He's like, why don't we use these? He goes, because we don't know who else is watching, who else has them. And of course, Sauron's reaching right through that thing. Don't give your children any internet unless you're watching them, or you are nuts. So I just did an incredible hour with that lady. I skipped two breaks because it's about children in the future. I can't help it. So I didn't plug any. You've got to make up for my shortcoming, and I'm dead serious. We are barely in the black. Anybody that knows about a chapter 11, subchapter 5, bankruptcy goes. If you can stay in the black, in the reorganization, the, the company goes forward. And, and free speech systems, praise God, 95% chance is going to continue on to stay on air. 
I didn't declare bankruptcy before the million and a half dollar judgments and all the fraud. So I am, you know, screwed, blue, and tattooed. Hey, there's a little bit of good news about Alex Jones. This is a 10-year-old shirt, and, I, you know, in Texas, they can't get in your house or your car. I really don't care. My kid's got insurance. I, I, I mean, they think taking money away from me does something. It, it does nothing. That's why we're going to start a bunch of new stuff next week. It'll be announced. I, I don't really want to do it, but, oh, you want me out of the game? I'm in the game. That's how this works. That said, these are products that you really need. These are products that are incredible, that are now back in stock. And before, we just were sold out. And fun, rich your life. Firstdoor.com, back in stock. Okay, I'm skipping through this so I can get the last bit of commentary by us. Nitric boost. Uh, this a seller already. Sale, so good for your libido. Once a year, are the same unit where it says donate and if 95 percent of the money ever be the best deal colloidal silver sold so take action now program and dead distracts the end callers it's what we do before i spread the word and go just as a general uh recommendation if you do anything off alex's site i recommend you do try the silver bullet because it's colloidal silver um i tried it when i started having a cold uh, a few years back and actually, I got over it pretty quick. Um, so if it's true about Chloe's silver, he's got a fairly good concentrate on it. And actually, um, his girlfriend and I had also used it on uh, when she started getting sick. And she was over in like less than two days. Uh, I've also had Orange Destroyer actually use, he had a, a pretty good size cut on his hand or something. And he put some colloidal silver drops on that and actually healed up pretty quick uh, with very little scarification. As opposed to like using hydrogen peroxide. Use hydrogen peroxide on a wound. A lot of times it'll 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 leave a scarification or at least dark spots on your skin because it's forcing the skin to heal up faster. So again, you can use it to clean, but don't just use it to sit there to constantly use it to bubble or help heal it because what it'll do is it'll, it, it'll scar it. So it's interesting. But uh, his his uh, the black charcoal suit, uh, uh, toothpaste, Doctor Jones. I've actually, I'm, I'm still my first tube of that, and I'm going to have to order a new tube soon. Um, it's not bad. I like it. I, I really enjoy the Super Blue. He's only got the peppermint version, the original version. He doesn't have the gut, the bubblegum version uh, yet, again, so he's been out. But I recommend Super Blue if you're able to get it. Um, it's pretty good stuff, uh, especially if you have, like, creamer in your coffee. I notice that um, it doesn't make my teeth, teeth feel as fuzzy. If I brush it that in the morning, even if I, uh, you know, drink a pretty good-sized flask of coffee with some creamer in it, my teeth don't feel as fuzzy during the end of the day. Now, if I use a regular Crest or something and then drink that, uh, my my teeth feel pretty freaking glazed by the end of the day drinking that shit. So that's just my experience from it. I haven't tried the turmeric toothpaste, but uh, I'm looking forward to trying that um, very soon to see if that has some of the uh, abilities that he claims um on the on the actual product description so i'm looking forward to trying that but some stuff i bought from jones over the years i've been pretty happy with um some stuff not i've tried the um brain force i wasn't really too impressed in fact you're supposed to take like one a day so you get a, a bottle of 30 30 things for like 30 bucks i mean seriously it's like god damn this shit is expensive but i i wasn't really too happy with now i've tried to use i've i've used the uh, X2 and the X3, um, 
don't know about the long-term effects of that. I couldn't tell you, but I, I acquired a taste for it. And I've tried the eye drop as well as the spray. The problem is with the spray, sometimes, it's, you know, you still got plenty in there. The spray will kind of like uh, um, get little, so it doesn't always spray it through evenly um, after a while. So you might want to take the spray bottle, the, the actual nozzle out, wash it in hot water, let it air dry, and then it put it back into the bottle. But make sure you put a cap or a tissue over the uh, bottle while you've cleaned out the shit so nothing gets in there or doesn't evaporate. So, but that, uh, that's some pretty good stuff. Anyway, uh, but but he's got some books and stuff. Like I, they had a tri-piece book of all these for emergency prep, preparedness type of things. During the, right when the pandemic started, I actually used the emergency disaster ones, and I actually that's pretty solid. And uh, pretty pretty solid book. Hang on one second, look that up. He has a a, a, a three piece book series, like ten bucks. This one I got here is uh, the Pocket Disaster Survival Guide: What to Do When the Lights Go Out by Harris Andrews and J. Alexander Bowers. And actually, some pretty good stuff in here. Uh, common sense stuff, but it's a good reference manual to have. And you definitely want to have this in your bug out bag. There's also an emergency one. Um, so it gives you an itemized list of things you should buy. Definitely create a bug out bag. And you want to make, you want to make sure you duplicate or triplicate it. So that way you have it. In case if you're in like man family or small group, you guys get separated. You have one each and a and a and a, a, uh, a separate one as a major spare. So those are good things to have. Uh, maybe have one, you know, one each for each bag, and then one in your vehicle. I mean, something like that. So I took some precautions just in case the pandemic started to make sure I had my ass covered. But like I said. I thought that was an excellent interview. I thought she really nailed a lot of the stuff. And when she came to the point where she says, this is basically disembodiment. Sometimes you can just say the right word or the right sentence and boom. Just like, what what is the main catch line in Sound of Freedom that I'm starting to see everybody making t-shirts out of? God's children are not for sale. Okay? So I think in this case, she said, this is basically disembodiment of our children. I think that's really his home. I think more more people see this clip, listen to it, and get the book. Let's face it, a lot of people just don't read books anymore. But those that are do that are fairly good bookworms, well-read. I mean, I, I like to get a Kindle version of this thing because I do better with a uh, an actual screen than I do a, a textbook. But I always like having a hard copy on hand, though. That way I've got a definitive version of that book available to me. It's like a lot of this music and stuff, I still prefer CDs because it's digital. I can pull stuff off of it, and I also enjoy the booklets. I enjoy all the work that goes into the booklets. I always read the thank you, the credit list, all that stuff, uh, especially if it's a solo artist to see who's played with them. I was just telling somebody today that uh, Debbie Gibson has, has actually kept the same drummer for the most part most of her career, a guy named Bashery Johnson. I don't know who the fuck he is. I don't know if he's in the videos or not and they're off the first album. But the bottom line is uh, most of her records, I see him listed as the drummer. So 
So I actually think that's pretty cool. And it's also cool that when an artist keeps a session player like that, it says something. It says something about integrity, also about a mutual respect. Uh, so those things that that really matter. I mean, obviously, Steve Lukather played with Richard Barks for a number of years on his albums, and Fee Waybill, uh, who's the singer for the Tubes, or a lot of stuff with Richard Marks. So it really helped a lot. It's just sucks that Richard Marks really showed just how Jewish he is by some of his comments on uh, Twitter. Come on, white people, blah, blah, blah. And then when he did his little podcast, he's the first person that gets on, Paul Stanley, I go, of all people that that you picked to be on your first podcast, why would you pick Paul Stanley? Oh, the Jews. Oh, got it. So, I mean, you know, it is what it is. It was actually a good interview. It's just a lot of times there's an underlying theme there, and then you're like, oh, I get it. So that's makes some interesting shit. Anyway, so um, I encourage you to check out other programs here on the Residence Marina Network. Uh, one of the main ones we've been catching up with for since the beginning of this year is the Firearm Trainers Podcast with Rob Beckman. I strongly suggest you listen to that. There was a very good episode on chargebacks um, that I actually just finally got to listen to this morning, and I was really enjoying it. And it, it shows you a lot of interesting things about how uh, people could take cards and, and do all sorts of crazy shit, as well as if you're trying to run a business. So um, I thought it was pretty – like I said, go back and check the uh, Firearm Trainers podcast, and it basically airs on Sundays. And um, the first episode that I feature on there um, is a lady who talks about the history of firearms the last 700 years. There was a lot of really juicy information in that as well. So like I said, I was like, shit, I learned more in that hour-plus program, hour-and-a-half program than I ever knew my entire life about firearms. I mean, seriously, she really went through, like, the different eras, the type of stuff they were doing, what caused this thing, what caused that. Uh, why rifles are never really meant to be weapons of war, but end up becoming so, and uh, just all that other stuff. So a lot of those people believe the Second Amendment should only be reserved for black powder rifles. You're hopelessly outdated. Just because technology improves doesn't mean that people should not have access to that technology. I have no problem with a, a civilian having an AR-15 or a 50 cal. I don't give a shit, you know? It's not like they're going around shooting up 7-Elevens with a 50 cal. The ones that do that are usually actual terrorists, and they're definitely not white. So, I mean, like I said, it's just some crazy shit. But if anyone else gets a whole 50 cal and wastes all that ammo shooting up a 7-Eleven, they're fucking stupid because 50 cal bullets are expensive. Jeez. Fucking, ugh. Anyway. Okay, so like I said, I want to really focus on that Jones episode. I thought he nailed it pretty damn good. And turned um, out connected to, again, some of the sick shit going on with medical procedures. I brought the uh, the Dr. Burt guy from here in the Dayton area from back in the mid-1980s. I remember seeing it on TV. And I remember, like I said, pretty a lot, a lot of the details just watching a few broadcasts. Um, I remember even thinking of 60 Minutes to cover that or something. I was like, holy shit. So like I said, if I remember that, again, unlike some of these younger guys now who have the memory of a goldfish, I actually remember shit like that from back in the day. So, again, so you got this cult 
where they like to just destroy people's genders or they think they know better of how the body should be laid out. And then they go in and do all this sick shit, too. I mean, there's some really, really weird people out there, man. And it's pretty obvious that they have an agenda. And I think, I really do believe they know that there is a future John Connor out there or some shit, and they want to try to fucking have a retroactive abortion on that guy now. Just like in the third Terminator, Rise of Machines. When the female Terminator goes back uh, searching for not John Connor, but Catherine Brewster was her main target. John Connor was a bonus. Because at some point, John Connor does die near the end, but Catherine Brewster is the one that was there to help finish it off. So she was the counterpunch, the one-two punch. So you had to eliminate her, which would limit John Connor, and then probably could have wiped out the resistance. But again, who's to know, man? Matter of fact, Joaquin Felix is coming out with a version of Napoleon in November. I'm looking forward to seeing, actually. And uh, I'm actually wanting to dive more into Bonaparte. I have not really researched him very well. I just saw uh, recently um, uh, the Count of Monte Cristo with actually Jim Caviezel. Um, the dude that played Napoleon is almost a dead ringer for Napoleon. I mean, the hairline, everything. I was like, holy shit. So usually something like that, something pops up that means, hey, I should take interest. So I've recently dived in, you know, last few years, dived into World War II, dived into Nazi Germany, really started to understand why they're so lied about. But before you go into World War One, you have to go into World War, I mean, World War II, you have to go into World War One, and you have to really understand the cause and effect of what led to that. There was many conflicts that led up to that. Of course, you have Bismarck had united the German kingdoms near the end of the 1800s, which set aside a major competitor for the British Empire. Because Germany is always known for their their uh, engineering, their medical prowess, their uh, scientific studies. So they're a major threat to the British Empire, which, of course, is run by the Rothschilds. No thanks to Napoleon, <clears throat> when the Rothschilds lied so that Napoleon had won at Waterloo and bought England for pennies on a pound. And then when shortly a few hours later came back, they all oh, no, he, he didn't win. He lost. Didn't matter. Rothschild owned England. So, I mean, again, and then the whole World War One was eliminate the monarchies, which is the old world order. So there you go. So like I said, it starts to make fucking sense. And then what they did in Germany obviously led to the rise of national socialism. That's what the communists trying to take over Deutschland, and Hitler was felt like the country was betrayed, and then tirelessly um, worked to try to resolve that mistake and found out who the culprits were and called them out. So, like I said, why is Germany hated so much? First thing he did was he abolished usury, tried to get the Jews out of Germany one way or another, whether it's by deportation to Israel or whatever. But the bottom line is, because he abolished usury, he was to be destroyed. And they destroyed Germany. I mean, the war crimes they did on many German cities is just absolutely unacceptable by any human standard. But yet the communists can do all this shit all day long. Nobody fucking says, a, nobody bats an eye. So there's something going on there. All right. 
encourage everybody to check out our programs. Again, go to uh, follow us definitely on Telegram at Resolution RDO and at Sunday Thomas Show. Wim King, Getter, Gab, and Twitter. Twitter at Resolution RDO 1. And uh, make sure you follow those. And again, if you want to help support the show and support this network, we are growing. But we could definitely use some financial support to make it a lot better. Every dollar helps us upgrade and purchase advertising. Send check or money order to Sonny Thomas or well-concealed cash to P.O. Box 27, Springboro, Ohio, 45066. That's P.O. Box 27, Springboro, Ohio, 45066. And, uh, again, thank you for many of those that have already donated in the past. You've helped us tremendously. And then the battle goes on, that's for sure. All right, we're going to close with another Ted Nugent song tonight. And we're going to close with another track from his most recent album. Detroit Muscle with the title track. Detroit Muscle, Salachima. Resolution Radio, Radio, Radio. ResolutionRDO.com.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.